after this horrendous Canadian Western trip. I am so glad the New Jersey Devils are heading back to the States. And also good news, the trade deadline is on Monday. So we're going to see what happens. But I'm going to need some help as uh, some changes could happen within the organization. So I'm bringing in my buddy Neil from the Devil State of Mind podcast for a two-part crossover. It's going to be very interesting and awesome as well. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. And my apologies for not posting an episode yesterday. However, uh, if you were keeping tabs on my Twitter page, I said that I was going to do a two-part crossover with Neil from the Devil State of Mind podcast. We're basically going to be talking about uh, trade rumors involving the New Jersey Devils, overall roster structure, and what are his opinions like coming into the season. Uh, he's been on the show before. He's a friend of the show. He last appeared back in December when the New Jersey Devils were on a, like, God knows how many game win streak going into the Christmas break and how uh, it was just frustrating the fan base. And he gave his two-cent opinion as to maybe Lindy Ruff isn't the right man for the job to lead the Devils. Has, has his opinions changed since then? I'll leave him to tell the tale. But overall, uh, it's the same kind of talk that I did with uh, Christy Flannery from uh, the Hockey Writers. She appeared on this show in my latest episode. She gave her opinions as to how the Devils will approach the trade deadline and also like what our roster could potentially look like come Monday. But at the same time, guys, uh, some change does need to happen within the Devils organization, at least just some minor ones. I'm not trying to plant a false seed into your guys' head saying that the New Jersey Devils completely need uh, a makeover. I'm not trying to, to give that sort of scenario. I'm just saying that uh, the Devils need to make just a minor change because uh, look, look, we lost our last game against the Edmonton Oilers by a score of six to three. And it, it was not a successful Canadian Western trip for the Devils because they lost six, three, three times in a row. They lost six, three to the Canucks. They lost six, three to the Flames. And now they lost six, three once again to the Oilers. So it's just like this, something like this cannot keep happening consistently. This, this has to be a new record. And if, if this weekend series has taught us anything, it's that, that the New Jersey Devils really need goaltending ASA now. Like Nico Dawes, he's pretty solid, but in my books, I think he's still wildly inconsistent. And part of that is not on him. He's just a young, inexperienced goalie. And, you know, he's being placed into a system that he had no intention of being in. Because if you were to tell Nico Dawes that he would be the starting goalie to close out the season, I think he would look at you funny. I don't think that was uh, his intention at all. But here we are. Bernier's out. Blackwood's out. So he has no choice but to be the starting goalie. And ultimately, John Gillies, he is just not the man that... Uh, we anticipated for him to be like I was hoping that John Gillies would be somewhat solid because uh, my colleagues at Locked On Blue said that we, what you get with John Gillies is that you get a hungry goalie who is just looking for a chance at the NHL and right now John Gillies is showing me that he does not belong on any NHL roster his rebound control is terrible and this has to be a wake-up call look Forget Severson, forget Subban, forget uh, Janssen, forget Smith, forget all those players that could potentially be traded. Forget Zaka for right now. Put that to the side, handle that during the offseason. 
Find a solid backup goalie so we're not losing 6-3 constantly. Anyway, I really don't want to reminisce over the 6-3 losses because I think uh, you have suffered enough because I know I've suffered enough. But hopefully change comes to the Devils once they get back into the States and once the trade deadline comes and goes. I don't anticipate anything major for them, but quite honestly, a boring day at the office is a good day for the New Jersey Devils in this case scenario. They just need to find that diamond in the rough. They some Similar to what they did with Jonas Siegenthaler and Ryan Graves, Igor Sharangovich, you just need to find that solid production that is underappreciated on a team and bring that to your organization and try to get the best out of them. So, like I said, with Sharangovich, with Graves, and with Siegenthaler, diamonds in the rough, but yet the New Jersey Devils were able to find solid production from those types of players. And you need a bigger example? Look at Jesper Brat, who was able to score in this game. He's a prime example of diamond in the rough. So, once again, it's not hard to find diamonds in the rough. You just got to just play it right and be smart. You got to play chess and not checkers. So, we'll see what happens when the trade deadline comes and goes. But it's time to bring in Neil from Devil State of Mind Podcast and do this crossover. But before we do, I want to give you guys the first and only live read this morning. And it comes from our friends at Bet Online. So, it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, it's time to talk to Neil from the Devil State of Mind podcast and do this crossover. Take it away, my friend. The trade deadline is fast approaching, and I've been bringing in a couple of Devils personalities to just basically talk all things Devils and also what could potentially happen to our roster uh, come Monday. And joining me on this show, he's uh, been on this show many times, but here he is again to talk trade deadline news. It's my buddy from Devil State of Mind podcast, Neil. Neil, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Trey. I've been very busy with a lot of different things going on, you know, not just with, you know, involving hockey and the Devils, but, you know, with with other sports and uh, other things going on in my own life. But uh, I'm living the dream, man. How are you? I can't complain. And uh, before we continue, I actually want to congratulate you because you have another podcast this time covering the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah, I, uh, I have a podcast now called Bridge to the Nets podcast. It's over on our um, you know, I work for the Hockey Podcast Network, but we have a sister network called the Basketball Podcast Network, and they cover the NBA and basketball in general, and they needed a Nets host, and me being a Nets fan my whole life, I jumped at the opportunity. So we've already we've already had three episodes. Uh, we just posted a new one yesterday. New episodes come out every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. So uh, if you want to hear me chat a little bit uh, about something other than the Devils, you can go check out the Bridge to the Nets podcast covering the Brooklyn Nets on the Basketball Podcast Network. But uh, thank you for uh, recognizing that. I appreciate it. No problem. And have you been to a Nets game this year yet? Not this year. Uh, with obviously, you know, still, you know, COVID and everything like that. Also, the prices nowadays are just th- through the roof. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance yet. You know, maybe I'll get an opportunity before the regular season ends or something like that. But uh, definitely want to get out there again and see the team in person, hopefully when they're fully healthy, which has been uh, a big question mark all season long. So we'll we'll see if uh, things improve. Well, as a Lakers fan, I, I definitely feel your pain. Uh, that long <laughs> losing streak, 
having to trade away Harden, and yep. uh, you got Ben Simmons. I'm I'm from Philadelphia, so you know, uh, I guess I speak for the entire city of Philadelphia when I say thank you for taking that mess off our hands. But we're <laughs> here to talk basketball. We're here to talk hockey. Trade deadline is uh, fast approaching. Um, I, I want to get your opinions on the overall state of the Devils right now, uh, Neil. Then no pun intended, because I know your podcast <laughs> is called Devils State of Mind. But I yeah. really want to pick your mind a little bit, because, uh, like I said, you've been on this show before, and you gave mm-hmm. your opinion back in December. Obviously, you know, Devils are still, uh, I- I'd say, what, second to last in the Metropolitan Division. But mm-hmm. they've been a much better hockey team to watch the last few weeks, especially with yeah. – how big Jack Hughes and Jesper Broad have been doing so far. Nico Dawes has put up a solid effort in between the pipes. And overall, you know, while the record doesn't do them justice, the Devils have been one of the better offensive teams in the NHL since the uh, All-Star break. And right. obviously things are starting to turn around a little bit. It's, uh, it's at this point, it's the safe face. But, you know, beating the Colorado Avalanche uh, 6-3, and that's the first time this season that the Avalanche uh, blew a 3 nothing lead. And, mm-hmm. uh because that's the best team in the NHL uh, competing with the Chicago Blackhawks, albeit we lost eight to five, but we still put up five goals. We put up a pretty, pretty decent fight. So even when the devils lose, they're still somewhat entertaining to see, especially with uh, how some of your, our young guys have been. So obviously we're in March now uh, when I mm-hmm. had you on this December and we were reminiscing over like just how the devils were just playing poorly, how Lindy Ruff should be shown the door, but I w- want to see where's your headspace now in terms of where we're at currently in the season. Well, there's a couple of things that I, I've seen since the last time I was on here and we spoke about this. Uh, number one is that I think that Lindy Ruff in some degree has reverted away from where he was coaching earlier in the year and, and with the system and all that stuff. I think that he's just allowing these guys to just play. I think that's really what it is. They're just playing hockey and, uh, You could see in some of the games they played, certainly over the last uh, 10 to 15, this team believes in itself more. They believe that they're capable of competing with any team in the NHL. Um, I will say, though, the last two games against Vancouver and Calgary kind of gave me the uneasy feeling that are we potentially reverting back to where we were earlier in the year, where not only are we losing, but we're getting, you know, kind of beaten up, so to speak. Um, And again, when you lose games like that, or even when you've been winning games in the ways that we won it, the it, there's still a very glaring issue, and that is clearly goaltending. Um, you know, John Gillies, you know, nice guy, don't get me wrong, but uh, at the same time, I I just he he's not he's not that. I mean, he's he wasn't he wasn't even on the team when the season started. He's one of the six seven goaltenders we've had since the season began. So and so I mean, it's it's been. It's been frustrating to say the least. Nico Dawes, who has played now in nine in a row, it's great to see that we've had some consistent goaltending, but at the same time, he does need a break, and he's been pulled in each of the last two games. So I look at today, we're recording this a couple hours before the Devils take on Edmonton. Do I expect him to start in net? I think it's possible, but I think that there's a more likely chance that a guy like Gillies is going to get in net. Um, But you look at what Tom Fitzgerald said when he was interviewed by Pierre Lebrun, who uh, wrote an article uh, for The Athletic that kind of went into detail about where the Devils are, you know, going into the trade deadline and certainly moving forward into the offseason and into next season. 
Tom Fitzgerald talked about this team needs to get back to, quote-unquote, the drawing board when it comes to the goaltending. And that kind of raised eyebrows, I think, to a lot of people because when you say going back to the drawing board, it sounds like you're leaning towards completely retooling or rebuilding that part of the Devils uh, team because you look at it from the forward standpoint. Yeah, we obviously do need to add top six scoring to help with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Um, our defense has certainly gotten better, but it still needs some work here or there. But without a doubt, the goaltending has still become a major, major problem with this team. And there really isn't much we could do about it now, except maybe potentially we go and get some sort of mid-tier veteran guy that can play the rest of the year and uh, just allow Nico Dawes to go back to Utica and help the Comets you know, secure the playoff spot and hopefully make a long run in the Calder Cup. Uh, playoffs because there's very high expectations there right now. Um, but I look at this team and I tweeted this out last week. I said it has been more fun, more interesting, more entertaining to watch this team because they're scoring a lot. They're being competitive. They went three and one on the homestand last week against some several teams that are vying for playoff spots or at the time at least, one of the top five teams in the National Hockey League. And they really, really competed hard in a lot of those games. So recently, over the last, I'd say, month, it has been more enjoyable to watch this team. My thoughts on Lindy Ruff have changed a little bit because I'm thinking, well, if this is the way he's going to coach moving forward with regards to just letting these guys play, then I don't really have an issue with him coming back. However depending on who's available next off, you know, this upcoming off season, I think it's worth, you know, looking at your options and seeing if you feel that Lindy Ruff is the guy to move forward with. Remember Lindy Ruff's contract expires after next season, the 22, 23 season. So, and the expectations for the Devils certainly next year should be, okay, we now definitely have to get into the playoffs. We cannot go another year where we don't get in because we're just wasting another year of, some of these guys are core, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, guys like that, wasting another year where we're not competing to having meaningful games in March and April, which is something Fitzgerald talked about this upcoming, um, this past offseason going into this season. And uh, things spiraled out of control and goaltending was an issue and it still very much is. And um, considering what has been talked about, through the rumor mill over the last 24 hours, hearing from Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, it, it does sound like that the Devils may do a complete overhaul, and that overhaul may not include uh, Mackenzie Blackwood moving forward, which I know to some people might be a surprise. I've seen people also be like, well, you know, Blackwood sucks anyway, so what does it matter? There's, there's, We're very split down the middle, I think, in the in Devils' world about Mackenzie Blackwood, and we can get into that in more context later on. But I think overall, Trey, the team is more watchable. Let's put it that way. They're more watchable. They're more interesting to watch because now we're not making the playoffs, but it's fun to see young guys, our core guys, having really big years. Jesper Bratt, you know, Jack Hughes are certainly going to have well over 20 goals. 
Nico Heischer could get there as well. If Zaka doesn't get traded, Zaka could end up with 20 goals in a year where he's a restricted free agent at season's end. We're seeing guy Dawson Mercer. He very well could finish top five in scoring for rookies and maybe make a late run to get some Calder uh, trophy votes for rookie of the year. So, and obviously also Nico Dawes continuing to show that he very well could be one of the future franchise goaltenders that we have in this organization. So there's a lot of good to look at, despite obviously where the Devils are in the in the standings and all that. But we got about 20 games to go. We might as well just try to enjoy it. Hopefully these guys can pick up some more wins and uh, you know maybe try to finish the season on a high note so you could take that moving into next season when you make uh, major moves. Yeah, I would agree with you in that in everything you just said. And the, the team is definitely more enjoyable to watch. And I remember like when we were talking in December, we were just basically just uh, having a big pity party because it was just like, what, what what's going to happen in New Jersey? We don't know. Like, um, we don't know what, what what's going to happen to them after the extended Christmas break. But, you know, Jack right. Hughes was able to catch lightning in a bottle. And he that's what ultimately made him an all star because he racked up so many points in such a short amount of time that was just yep. like he, he put the league on notice and he was one of the uh three stars of the week mm-hmm. and I, I think that's what ultimately made uh jack hughes an all-star now i was very disappointed that jesper brat wasn't named an all-star because i was just like True. jack hughes doesn't have the season he is having if brat isn't there like mm-hmm. you know, he the, you know that's his dynamic duo partner mm-hmm. and I, I'll admit it on this show, I had no idea that Brat was going to have the season that he is having now. I don't think anybody was anticipating it. We anticipated for him to be on the second line and just, you know, overall, you know, just, um, uh, you know, contribute with Nico Heizer and Pavel Zaka. But him being a borderline all-star, who anticipated that? Did you? I've anticipated that since he got into the National Hockey League. I mean, right really? away, coming in back in 17-18, he put the world on notice. And over time albeit his stats didn't always show it, you could see that this kid was getting better year in and year out. He was showcasing his speed. He has tremendous puck handling ability. He His passing has gotten a lot better. He's just improved in every facet of his game. And so now you're starting to see him really take shape as a top six guy. I wrote an article uh, for a website that I work for, Inside the Puck, and, and I cover the Devils on there. I wrote an article this past week about why Jesper Bright is the most underrated player in the National Hockey League. And you look at some of his, you know, from an analytical standpoint, his analytics, he actually has the same type of success and same type of chances, creating chances, that guys like Connor McDavid and Mitch Marner have been able to do this year. So that, again, just shows you. And I said that the, the main reason that Jesper Bride did not get um, more recognition and did not end up becoming an all-star was simply the fact that he is not considered marketable. Jack Hughes, without a doubt, being an American, being arguably the top up-and-coming young uh, American player in the National Hockey League, he is more marketable. He is more from the outside type of personalities that we've grown accustomed to seeing from hockey players. Jesper Bratt is kind of more of an old-school guy, even though he is a young player in his own right. But Jesper Bratt has developed into a guy that he'll probably have many more opportunities to be an all-star moving forward, especially when we continue to build around guys like Brad, Jack Hughes, Nico. We get this team to being a much stronger offensive team, adding guys left and right. So I fully expected Jesper Brad to have a big time year this year, especially in a situation where it's a contract year. He needs to be paid in the off season since he is also a restricted free agent. There is no question that he will get paid. And there is no question in my opinion 
that the Devils won't pay him. The Devils are going to make him one of the first, if not the first priority this offseason. Get him signed long-term so that then they can focus on the rest of what they need to do um, after that. Philly, you know, filling in needs left and right, goaltending, top six scoring, as I've mentioned before. So just for Brad, and you see this a lot with guys who are on um, the last year of their contract. It's it's in a year where they need to showcase that they're worth the money, and Jesper Bratt is consistently showing that he is worth getting a pay raise. I think he should get between the realm of five, six million dollars on his average annual contract of his next year. I think that's just the way that I look at it. So yeah, I'm I'm not fully surprised that that Jesper Bratt is having a big year because he has been showcasing it for several years and developing into a very, very talented winger in the NHL. See, uh, I, I agree with everything you, you just said, which is that Brock de- definitely needs to get paid. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and the Devils are going to make him a top priority. But the thing is, I think they're going to be a little conservative of what they offer him. I don't anticipate him to be signed to, like, you know, Dougie Hamilton, Nico Heizer, or Jack Hughes type of contract where it's, like, a seven-year or something like mm-hmm. that extent. So, like... Dougie Hamilton, seven years. Uh, You got Jack Hughes, eight years. I anticipate it to be a two- to three-year deal, so they're a little conservative about it because you don't know. Like, just bear with me. I I would say more it's going to be at least a five-year deal because, again, Jesper Bratt is part of this core long-term, and you want to give your your core guys – those big money contracts. So already we've established that with Nico. We've established that with Jack. We established it with Dougie Hamilton. And Jesper Bratt has to be the next guy because Jesper Bratt's last contract was also a two, three-year deal. And if you're going to give him another two or three-year deal, I feel like in Jesper Bratt's camp, they'll look at that as something to say, oh, well, we we, we really value you, but we don't value you enough to where we can secure you long-term. And I can understand, you know, the different dynamics of it, but the Devils have – a huge amount of cap space where they can give him a five, six year contract of five or $6 million per year and still be able to go out and make a big splash as which Tom Fitzgerald already announced that he is planning on making a big splash in the off season, whether that's via free agency or trading or whatever the case may be. So that's just the way that I look at it because I think Jesper Brad is worth giving him a longer deal with a substantial pay raise from the $2.3 million he was making. Yeah, but the the thing is, is like, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to have the same season uh, next year as he's having this year. Like, his numbers leading up to this point, they've been, you know, solid, but this is the first time where his numbers are, like, spectacular kind of thing. So my thing is, do you take the gamble and sign him to a, a long-term deal? Because what if he reverts back to what he did you know, just a few years ago, which nothing is like wrong with his numbers per se. You know, mm-hmm. we love that kind of production on our team. But but what I'm just talking about is like, you know, uh, what, but who's to say that he won't have this uh, type of season again? You know, that kind of thing. So I think the I, other thing you have to look at, though, Trey, is this. What, you know, look at Nico Heischer. Here's a good example. Nico Heischer, only, this is the best season he's had since 17-18. And he got locked up long-term two years ago and people have been still skeptical about him and only now he's starting to get into a groove with Jesper Brett as I mentioned before he has steadily every single year gotten better and Jesper Brett is a guy that has shown tremendous speed and this is with a team that is still not at the full level that they're capable of being as well and he's playing with guy he was playing with Andreas Janssen and Dawson Mercer at one point this season and he was rocking and rolling even then 
And it doesn't matter where you put him in the lineup this season. He has been able to produce a lot of success. So, yes, Trey, I totally get where you're coming from about do we know if Jesper Bratt is going to have a season like this again? I think I would lean more towards yes, considering that he has gotten better every single year and he's not even in his prime yet. And he's still, you know, at the same age group with Jack Hughes, Nico Keisher, guys like that. That's the way that I look at it. So I can understand having a smaller deal, but I also want to take into consideration that, you know, I think Jesper Bright has earned the right to get a much longer term deal um, than what he's gotten recently. Cause I think he's, has a proven track record now of several years where he has been one of our better scorers um, for for a while now. Yeah, and you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying, like, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where we have so many long-term players that we're kind of in a situation because when looking at the trade deadline, which we'll talk about momentarily, you know, mm-hmm. just we, we're in no position to be sellers. Like, you know, I know people look at our record, look at our standings. We're, we're look, look, yeah, we're in no position to sell her. No, we're no, we're not. We're not. Because we don't have Jack anything. Hughes, yeah, Jack Hughes is signed long term. Nico Heizer is signed long term. Mm-hmm. Um, Dougie Hamilton is signed long term. You talked briefly about Mackenzie Blackwood, and you also said something off air about an article that Mackenzie Blackwood's name has been brought up in, in trade discussions. So I'm curious to hear more about that uh, later, but. You know, we, we have yeah, so absolutely. many players signed to long-term deals, and it's just like we don't really have anyone. So, like like you just said, so when look at Pavel Zaka, like, you know, that's not something – that's not somebody you kind of unload. Um, yeah. You know, Jimmy VC, he might be able to help on a contending team that's in need of uh, a penalty killer, you know, because Jimmy VC right. has been doing pretty well on the, on the PK. And speaking of PK, PK Subban. Tom Fitzgerald has informed uh, Subban and his agent that – that they do not intend on uh, extending his contract right. on the offseason. So they might look to make a trade, but no one's really picking up the phone calling for P.K. Subban yeah. from what I'm hearing. Uh, let's see, who else, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Andreas Janssen, you know, uh, I, yep. I said it at the beginning of the year or towards the middle of the year, towards December, I said Andreas Janssen is a wild card type of player because we were talking a lot about him during mm-hmm. the beginning of the season. But are we talking a lot about Andreas Janssen now? No. Nope. like capitalize on that like you know trade him away while his value is still relatively high or maybe even Damon Severson like Damon Severson is signed for this year and next year I was talking mm-hmm. to Christy uh, Flannery she's a former colleague of mine at the hockey writer she loves Damon Severson like yeah. you know she said that Damon Severson is probably our best defenseman um, on, on the team you know I, I said well what about Dougie Hamilton or Ryan Graves and you know she was just like you know Dougie Hamilton is just like you know, he, he's just lucky that he's tall because he's kind of slow kind of thing. But, you know, I, I know you're making a, a look, but, you know, everyone uh-huh. everyone has opinions on, um, you know, how we handle things. So I'll ask your opinion on yeah. the best defenseman a little later in the episode, but not priority right now. But, um, you know, Damon Severson could possibly be on the move for the, for the Devils as well. So, you know, yep. it's just like when looking at this overall, uh, overall team, we have some decent pieces that we could possibly give away and maybe get a draft pick out of, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't expect much. Like I was talking to one of my colleigues at, at, at Locked On. He's the host of uh, Locked On Oilers, and we did a silly season uh, episode. I said, it's, I could trade you Andreas Johnson for a first-round draft pick, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm not taking that risk. And I said, you know, I I guess it was a long shot, but at the same time, I wouldn't I take that either. I, I wouldn't I take that try. either. I had to try. Or, uh, I guess. Or, or, 
I, I was doing uh, I was doing a an episode with a, a, a writer from the Hockey Writers who covers the Vancouver Canucks. His, na- his name is Matthew Zader, and yeah. I, we were basically like saying, "Okay, look, I want Brock Besser, I want Connor Garland, possibly Thatcher Demko, or Quinn Hughes." Like, I, I get Hughes and, and Demko are way out of left field. Demko and Hughes are not even in the discussion. We're not even not going even in there. discussion. But I just don't had to try because I was seeing I was seeing articles uh, thanks to my colleagues at Pucks and Pitchforks. And I was just like, you know. Could I trade you yes for Brock for Quinn Hughes? And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but yes for Brock, in my opinion, is nothing more than just a glorified bench player kind of thing. Like, oh, that's a little bit of a harsh uh, see. And then again, that again, just really quickly, Trey, that's my point about why Jesper Bratt is the most underrated player in the NHL because outside the Devils, nobody really knows who Jesper Bratt really is. But if you look at his stats, you're starting to see him become a very, very consistent top six scoring winger. And that's kind of the point that I was trying to make. So I can understand why people would make interesting comments like that about Jesper Bratt because they don't watch him on a day-to-day basis. But I promise you, in the next year or two, people are going to know long-term who Jesper Bratt is. That's just the way I look at it. But, But anyway, I wanted you to... Finish your point there, since you brought you yes. Brett. So, so um, I, yeah, I was talking to Matthew Zader. He's a credential Canucks writer, and mm-hmm. I just you know asked him like, what's it going to take to give like Brock Besser or Connor Garland? And you know, I think for uh, you know, don't quote me on this. I think he said for Connor Garland, you know, he's looking at maybe like Zaka and Ty Smith because he talked about how mm-hmm. you know the Canucks need that's, some help. That's pretty on, accurate on the defensive side of things and, you know, how Ty Smith is a young defenseman, not having the best of year uh, this season, but still Mm -hmm. it has room to grow and improve. And then you look at someone like uh, Pavel Zaka, he might be the centerpiece of that deal. And then for Brock Besser, he was demanding for a first round draft pick. And I'm just like, that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm just like, look, we only have, it's not the same situation as last year where we had two, first round picks because mm-hmm. you know we only have one first round pick this year i believe yeah and it's just like is there any chance you can i'll give you a prospect and maybe like a second or third round draft pick i can't give you no. that's, that's, that's way too much that's just too much of a risk if that makes sense you have to look at it this way the canucks are trying to shed salary there's a chance that they still may not pay brock besser in the offseason they may still move him People have been skeptical about trading first-round picks, and I get it. But if you're trading the your first-round pick in 2022, I'm all for it because at this point, with the way the Devils are, it is no longer about continuing to build for the future and continuing to get assets and draft picks and things like that. We are now starting to get into the point of being in a win-now situation where we have to start making moves that impact the team in the immediate present whereas waiting around i don't think a lot of devils fans are totally thrilled if we draft somebody that we won't even see for two or three years that's kind of the thing because we're all impatient at this point so if if the canucks are asking for our first round pick in 2022 number one i'm fine with it because this draft class is nothing to write home about 2023 is where it's more valuable for several different reasons and the Devils are getting somebody that they could certainly lock up long term. Probably don't have enough, a lot of. Probably don't have a problem paying him the money, regardless of what he's asking for. 
and they can go from there. The only way the Devils make a move for a guy like Brock Besser, because he's an RFA, is that if they do a sign and trade, where right after they they trade for him, they sign him to a long term deal, like the Islanders did a couple of years ago when they locked when they got uh, Pajot from Ottawa, signed him long term right after making the deal. So I think you gotta you gotta look at it that way. It's, terms of Garland, that's pretty accurate to what I've been hearing. It's got to be a guy like Severson and it's got to be a guy like Zaka. And that make uh, excuse me, not Severson. It's got to be Ty Smith and Zaka because, again, Zaka is not going to make a whole lot of money on his next contract. And Ty Smith is still on his entry-level deal. That, again, sheds a lot of salary for where Jim Rutherford can go out and make other moves and build this team the way that he wants. I also will just say this. Considering where Vancouver is right now, they're not making any moves at the deadline. They're not adding. They're not giving away. They're doing nothing because right now they want to try to make the playoffs of what they have, and then they can kind of regroup after this year and go forward from there. So that's the way I look at it. But in terms of Brock Besser, we're not getting hit. If you if people think we're getting him, we're not getting him until at least the, at least the offseason. I can't see a move being made for him uh, or Garland or – matter of fact, anybody on the Canucks until the off season. So I just wanted to uh, give my two cents to that. Yeah. Good. I, I, we've seen greater things happen at the trade deadline. Look what the lightning and the Blackhawks just did like what yesterday. Like, yeah, that was actually a joke that Tampa gave up two first round picks for a bottom six player. Uh, but then again, it kind of worked with when the devils traded Blake Coleman and they got a first for him because ended up Blake Coleman ended up helping the Lightning with back-to-back Stanley Cups. But Brandon Hagel is incredibly overrated. And uh, the fact that even the Lightning were crazy enough to give him give them multiple picks is kind of like, well, at least it helps out Chicago's rebuild. Yeah, I, I was just like, okay, so if if Chicago could get two first-round picks for, a, for Hagel. For, for a, yeah, for Hagel, a, a bottom six player. Yeah. Is there any chance that maybe we could get a couple first round draft picks for Zaka? Because he's a top six. Not player. with him, not with him being hurt right now, no. Good point. Because we don't uh, know what the we don't know what his injury is. He didn't play the rest of the Vancouver game. He didn't play at all against Calgary. He may not play today against Edmonton. As a matter of fact, the Devils may not play at all because they're they have very few forwards and a flu bug going around. So We'll see Are what happens sure? with non-COVID, that. Non-COVID, right? Non-COVID, right? It's non-COVID. They said it was a flu bug. It's non-COVID. Um, but you never know. Uh, they could be lying. I've seen them lie before, so it wouldn't be the first time. But yeah, uh, I, 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 I can't see Zaka getting a first round. If Zaka got us a first round pick, that would be hilarious because it would be like, I mean, he's been in the league for seven years now, and he still is yet to really take the next step in his development. I think that mainly has to do with the Devils themselves, but I also think Zaka was way over um, way over-evaluated in his draft year, considering the players that came directly after him in that draft. Um, I will also say this. Tom Fitzgerald is not really interested in getting picks unless he can use said picks to then acquire more NHL-ready talent. He is not interested in making a deal to just make a deal. He said with Zaka and certainly with Severson, you have to blow him away with a deal. I mean, you have to give him something that could be beneficial for this season and moving forward, not just continuing to get draft picks. That's why the Devils are not necessarily going to sell unless they get a major deal. 
which I don't know what that is. And we only know that Vancouver and Montreal reportedly are the only two teams that are interested, um, uh, you know, because again, we don't know what the other reported teams are that have shown interest. I mean, if you're going to get a first for him, cool. That just gives us extra artillery to go out and make a major trade at the deadline as well or in the offseason. But other than that, I I just can't see Zaka getting us that much anyway. Once again, thanks to Neil from the Devil State of Mind podcast for taking the time to do this crossover. We still have more in store as part two will be uploaded tomorrow on Monday morning before the trade deadline occurs. So make sure you listen to that before the New Jersey Devils potentially make a move or don't. We'll see what happens. So basically we left off. Uh, would you uh, try to see if Pavel Zaka is worth a first round pick? And he gave his response and we'll leave it with there. So thank you for tuning in today's episode. Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. That's all the time I have for you today. And Neil and I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.